continuation of a few uh, sermons that I had preached on Sunday mornings back a few weeks ago and and just uh, finding your spiritual gift and imploring your spiritual gift uh, for the glory of God and um, Paul is a masterful theologian a very smart uh, an educated man and when he writes 1 Corinthians 13 knowing his background and where it's coming from uh, it means all the more to me when I think about that um, so we'll get into that um, in a few moments but let's uh, stand on our feet tonight as we honor God's word 1 Corinthians 13 and we'll begin there in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 13 <clears throat> beginning there in verse 1 though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail, whether there are tongues, they will cease, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. But now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then I shall know just I also am known, as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Father, thank you for your work tonight. And Lord, thank you for the gracious, merciful love that you've shown to us as your children tonight. God, if we can stand here tonight and say that we are a child of God, uh, there has been a manner of love shown to us that we cannot comprehend truly. Lord, we are grateful for it tonight. It seems so God, our words just don't do it justice. But thank you. And Lord, tonight, encourage us through your word to live out this, th this chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians in our life. For your glory we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. When we left off there in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul left us with this idea in verse 31 but earnestly desire the best gifts and Paul actually says the the desired gifts is to be able to prophesy uh, but he says and yet I show you a more excellent way and then he spends these 13 verses describing what love from a Christian perspective or from a godly perspective looks like I'm reminded of something that uh, uh, J.I. Packer wrote about the love of God 
and it, and it, and it, it goes like this. It says, what matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlines it, underlies it that he knows me. I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who he loves. And there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. Now listen to this. There is tremendous relief in knowing that His love is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion Him about me in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. Aren't you grateful tonight that even though God knew you, he still loves you? Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, boy, I, I am. And I think about this when Paul is writing this. Here is a man who at a previous point in his life sought to stamp out the ministry and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Sought to arrest those who would preach and proclaim the gospel. Sought to put in chains and carry off those who would meet in, the con in their home or, or wherever. If he, if he found that they were of the way, he would haul them off. And I know that, that, that Paul, as he uh, relived perhaps these moments in his life of his past, he often thought about, as he said in his own words, that, you know, I'm chief among sinners. I mean, Paul really believed that if God would have mercy upon him, if God would save him, if he would take Saul and turn him into Paul, then truly he can save anyone. And in 1 Corinthians 13 tonight, this masterful theologian that gave us all manner of doctrine, I mean, think about uh, the doctrines of, of justification and sanctification uh, and the idea of glorification and all of these uh, things and the and that, that we understand about the love of God and the grace of God and how we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace through faith in the person of Jesus Christ and that alone. And, and here he is writing to us about love. And he doesn't use the, the more familiar terms of the day, whether it be phileo or eros. He doesn't use love in the sense of a passionate sexual type of love or even the care for a best friend and that kind of love that you would have among uh, your, your friends or your family but, but he shares with us a word that was not often used in, in the Greek to express love because to be quite honest with you no one could live up to the expectations of this choice love this agape that means you choose to love and, and you base that love not on whether or not the person is worthy of the love in which you give them and yet it is that kind of love that Paul writes about the kind of love that, that the Lord had shown him and that he tells us now that we are to practice and we are to show others. Paul says you can have all manner of gifts and you can be dedicated to a number of things. But he says 
If we don't understand what love is, if we don't practice love, then we're nothing. He said, of all the gifts you can have, there's a more excellent way. Your gift, no matter what it can be, love is something that, is, that ought to be supreme in the life of a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, desire the greatest gift, but yet I show you a more excellent way. The reality of Christian love, of, of choosing to love the unlovable. We see that picture on the cross when Jesus said, God have mercy upon them for they know not what they do. Now, Jesus in his ministry loved people that other folks had long given up on. I think about as they crossed the sea and they arrived at the other side to be immediately met by the man that was out of his mind that, 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 that society had written off and, and cast him away. He was a man that, was, that they had tried to, to bind, that they had tried to just live. Hey, he's crazy, he's out of sight, he's out of mind, and he wandered around. He would cut himself and all of the, the, the tragedy of the lostness of this man. And yet it was God who chose to have mercy on that demon-possessed man and to show him a, a measure of love that no one had ever shown him. No one could show him the kind of love that Jesus showed him that day. It forever changed his life. And if you and I have been saved by the glory and the grace of God, then God has poured that love inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the night when we look at this in light of all the many gifts and the talents that we have, we need to recognize the supremacy of this love. In other words, it is a priority there mentioned in verses 1 and 2 and in verse 3. He said, though you speak with all the tongues, with the tongues of men and even of angels, but if you don't have love, you become nothing but sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Kind of like if I was to try to play the piano. It would be just a bunch of clanging whatever. It wouldn't be enjoyable. He said, you may have the gift of prophecy. You may understand all things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And even though you would give everything away to feed the poor, and those are all great things, but if you do not have love, it profits nothing. That's strong. Those are all good things. Those are all things that Christian people should do. But he says, if you have not love, it profits nothing. We need to understand the priority of Christian love and, and the reality of the importance of that in, in our world in which we minister to today. We are against things, and we rightly should be. But we are also for things. Uh, the church sometimes in, in, in the world and the culture in which we live in we come across, or maybe it's not that we come across, but the perception that they want to see is that well, we're just the great killjoy. And I want to tell you, if, if you think joy is found at the bottom of a bottle or you think uh, joy is found in some uh, uh, drug or something like that, you know what? I'll be glad to be your killjoy because it is a road to perdition. It wrecks homes. It wrecks families. Uh, you know, it, it makes children fatherless, homeless. And we see that in our culture today. A half a million of children today are not living in a home with a, with a parent or a relative. Right here in, in the land of plenty. We're broken over these things. So yes, we are against those things. But we're for even greater things. We're for the, the love and the mercy of God that God said. He said this, not some preacher. This is not something that man came up with. But it was God who said that if you will hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied. It was God who said that if you come into me, 
and I'll give you rest. It was the Lord who said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever will, let him come. I love you this much. Those are great things. Those are wonderful things. Those are things that this world that is lost in its, and dead in its trespasses and sins needs to understand that the world cannot love like Jesus. The world has strings attached to everything. And we all want to be loved and we all want to be accepted. We all want to think our life counts for something. And it's only God who gives those things to us with not all these other strings attached. God loves you for who you are in spite of who you are, in spite of who I am. And he says, I need you to love in that manner. I need you to love that way. I need you to see that in your Christian life, regardless of how much you know, there is a priority of God's people that we ought to love folks. And we ought not to give up on folks. That's hard to do sometimes. I can remember growing up, and I have a, a brother that's much older than me. I mean, he's five years older than me. And, and I can remember that, um, that some of the choices that my brother made uh, you know, hurt my mom and dad a lot. I, I, I can remember that. And I'm grateful that they never gave up on him because uh, he's a total different person than he used to be. But um, they were some hard times. I, I, I just remember the, the tears and, and the agony that were brought to my parents because of, of the decisions that he was making that was not in line with the way in which he was raised. And it broke their hearts, but they never stopped loving him. And it was through that choice to love through the difficulty of that that brought my brother back to a place where he's totally different today. And I'm grateful for that. And as a father, I, you, know, uh, you know, kids are going to disappoint you. <laughs> you know, they just, they will. They step on your heart, they step on your toes. I mean, they do that. But God says we're to have a priority in our lives for this type of love. And, and we see this showing up in family. We see this showing up between husband and wife when we, when we choose to love our spouse despite the fact that at that moment they, they don't deserve it, but we choose to. It's of great personal cost to the person that that is carrying their part as they should. They sacrifice because it is a priority. Because love is supreme, Paul says. There's something else here too. And not only is it a not only is it a priority and not only does it take a priority, but it is also something that has to be practiced. You know, it's not enough to just say it, but it's to live it. It's to practice it. Verse 4 says that love suffers long. You know, this morning we talk about where we are on the prophetic calendar, on God's timeline. And why are we still here? Why are we still here? We, we've, I mean, America has become a culture where if you turn on the TV, there's a whole lot of people that, that don't know simple, basic things of, of, of life anymore. We, you know, we don't know what a boy is. We don't know what a girl is anymore. I mean, we don't know what a border is. Uh, we don't know what law is anymore. We don't even know how to uh, run a, a legal election anymore in, in our nation, it seems. Uh, 
I mean, we're at a, we're at a, a bad place in, 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 our, in our nation. But yet God is still giving us the opportunity to repent, to, to get things right, to stop cursing God and turn to God because he's long-suffering. And why is he long-suffering? Because of this matchless love that he has for us. And we're to practice that. We're to love it suffers long, kind, doesn't envy, it doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up, not arrogant, prideful. Verse 5 says it's not, you know, it doesn't behave rudely. I, I, you know, these things, we understand we're not perfect in this. Doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things and believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. These are, these are things that are practiced or we attempt to practice them. Sometimes we do a good job and, and, and sometimes not so much. But there is the priority in the life of a Christian that this is important and it is something that has to be practiced. And we will have to practice. If we are to live out our gifts for the glory of God, we will have to practice this type of love. Um, think of the people that you have maybe personally talked to you or have come to you and asked for counsel, asked for advice, told you something like, I need to get my life right with the Lord. I've, I've just, I've, I've, I've wandered. And I, and I need to get things right. And, and you say, hey, that, that's great. I'll pray for you. Why don't you come to church with me? And they say, I, I, I'm going to be there. I'm coming. And you say, all right. And, uh, and you, you touch basis with them midweek, and you say, hey, i just been praying for you, and I want you to come Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. And then there's Saturday, and there's Saturday night. And you're messaging, and you're texting, or you're calling, and you're getting no answer. And you know what's happened. They're out doing their thing again. They, they were scared for a little while maybe or, or, or there was the urge, the tendency to want to do that, but, but there wasn't a following through with that and, and here we go. And it'll rock on and, and I don't know, three or four weeks later you, you'll hear from them again and they'll say, man, you know what? i, I got to get my life right with the Lord. I, I'm really struggling. Would you, you know, would you help me? Would you pray for me? Sure, I'll do that. Why don't you come to church Sunday? Why don't I meet with you? Yeah, that'd be great set it up but they don't come do you know people like that in your life I can give you names I can give you addresses of people like that I can tell you I've more than on one occasion I've, I've, I've waited outside on the steps of a church just telling myself they'll be here they'll be here and they don't come and to this day if I run into them at Walmart or something like that I do my very best to show them how much I love them and I want them to come to know the Lord. I don't do it in a judgmental way, but I want them to know that I care. Because see, folks, we understand that there is a hell. There is a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. And that they're not going to get there because they live in the South. 
so-called Bible Belt, you know, as we say down here, right? You know, there's a lot of people that think just because of their geographical location, they must be right with the Lord, but that ain't true. Even if you're sitting in a church, you know, that, that much of a geographical location, that doesn't make you a Christian. Something that has to be practiced. And man, it's, isn't it easier said than done? I mean, it is, isn't it? It's easier said than done. It's easier to, it's easy to say, look, I love you, I care about you. But 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 when our expectations of, of that response on the on the other end is not met, it, it's a challenge and it's difficult. And we have to push through that because we have to choose to love. Not based on feeling not based on the, the, the reaction that we're getting, but if we truly love someone, it is determined not by what they choose to do, but by the choice that we've made. That's how God loves us. God chose, God chose to love us, man, when we were dead, lost, living for the world maybe out here. And yet He never gave up on you. We're to practice that love. We're to see it as a priority. And Christian love ought to be something that is very prominent in our life. It ought to stand out. They ought to, you know, it ought to be an obvious thing. It ought to be something that 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 people see and they recognize. And Paul said in verse one of chapter 14 he said to pursue love and and the idea there the word that is used there pursue it's the idea of hasten run I mean Paul's not saying this is a suggestion he's saying I need you to run I need you to hasten I need you to pursue love pursue this type of love this prominent measure of love it stands out it's it's seen it makes a difference it's a challenge to you and I and as we are living this Christian life, we're cultivating love. It, it has to be cultivated. I mean, you know, uh, I grew some tomatoes this year, and when the rain really started coming, it, it helped that out. I mean, there's just something about the, the rain that comes from heaven on your garden, man. You can water it to death, but I'm telling you, you get a shower from above, and it makes all the difference in the world. But, you know, you can sit there and, and, and you know, just till up that ground. There's not a weed in you can see and you stick that tomato plant there and put your little cage over it and it's just in this beautiful lovely dark soil and you're like man this thing is going to make tomatoes like I've never seen before in my life and, and you know you get busy and you're working or whatever and then you go out there to check on it in a couple of days and you see green shoots of stuff this high out there that's called nut grass. And nothing will kill it. They, uh, nothing seems to kill this stuff. I mean, it drinks Roundup. I mean, like orange juice. No effect on it. So you, you, you pull it up, and you see the roots, and you say, Ha! I got you. And you walk out there, and two, three days later, and now there's two growing where that one was. You, if you're going to make veggies... You gotta cultivate it. You gotta work it. And we've been doing that ever since Adam, okay? You gotta cultivate it. You gotta work it. Weeds will grow up and it'll choke it out. 
it'll drown it out and you won't you won't have squat and then if you get the weeds out of the way here come the stink bugs and they sting your little tomatoes so that when you finally get ready to harvest the doggone thing it's got all these spots on it it looks sick like it's got leprosy or something and that's that's not counting the ones that just rot there that you go out there one day and it looks great and then the bottom's gone or something such is life when we choose to love in a world that does not care it has to be cultivated you have to want to love you have to desire to practice that love and you have to tell yourself over and over and over again to not give up and to continue to express and live out and practice that Christianity but you know what it makes a difference it makes a difference it starts out maybe real close at home but as we teach others to love and as they see how we express that love to them that it's genuine that it's Christian in nature then chances are they grow up and they see that principle being not only taught in their life but lived in their life and you know what they're more likely to do they're more likely to live that out too it's not enough to say it, it has to be practiced and we can know all kinds of things and we should you know we should we should be people of the book no doubt about it we ought to know the word of God we ought to study the word of God we ought to make these avenues of discipleship that are available to us, we ought, to, we ought to take advantage of those things to grow, to know the Lord. But all the knowledge in the world won't express to the person that is steeped in their sin that you care if you don't love them. That's what Christ did for you and me. And we're called to do the same. I saw an acrostic, and I'll just close with this. This is just a practical thing, but how is, how is love seen to others? Well, if we use love as an acrostic, love looks like this. Listening when another is speaking, overlooking the petty faults and forgiving failures, valuing other people for who they are and not what they can do, Expressing love in a very practical, biblical way. You know, if I'm honest, I need to be reminded of that. It's easy to overlook. In our culture, we love a lot of things. We've written more songs about love than any other subject that's out there. Love has blessed folks, broke hearts, all kinds of things. We've got a number of songs and poetry to express those things. But God calls us to do more than just talk about it. God calls us to live it. As my prayer, as, as Paul says, a more excellent way, take your gift, love authentically, pursue that love run toward those who need to know that there's a God who cares you're not going to get that from the world 
they have a hopeless message. But we have one filled with hope. Hope in the person of a man named Jesus who died in my place just like he did yours. The world needs that message. Now, they, they may not receive it, but they need to hear it. And it's my prayer that God would encourage us to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit to live out that authentic love for God's glory. Would you bow your hearts in prayer with me tonight? Jonathan, if you would, you and Carl, if y'all come. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, God, that uh, you've given it us to us in a way that we can understand. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would exercise it. That we would live authentic lives, Lord. That we take your love and your mercy to a world that desperately needs it. And God, we'd love our families sincerely. Lord, we want our children to be that generation that knows you, that loves you, that serves you. And God, we are that example lived out before them. Help us to be mindful of that. And thank you, God, most of all, that despite the fact that you knew me, you chose to love me. Help us to be grateful for that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand on our feet tonight. Jonathan, what we sing.